Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Episode 5 of the Holler Pod, your favorite band of 606 Outlaws, Rednecks, Hillbillies, all the above. Brian and Alex behind the headsets, Nick behind the computer screen doing that thing it is that he does. Uh, we've got a special guest tonight, which we're very excited about, that we will introduce momentarily. First, got to check in with the gang. Brian, what's up? Nothing, man. I just... Um... I just want to say both literally and figuratively, tonight is a night of biblical proportions. You know, I think I think if uh, the listeners are following along, the context clues afforded to them via social media this morning, the introduction video, and, and your little blurb there should uh, lead them down the path uh, to figuring out who the guest is. Those watching on YouTube have already seen his lovely face. But uh, before we introduce him, Nick, give me some wisdom. What'd you learn this week? That's a tough one. I learned. I know. You don't know what's real and what's fake. Oh. Mm. Mm. That's deep. I won't ask for anecdotal evidence, <laughs> but Perfect. I trust you. All right. Without further ado. We want to introduce a dear friend of every single one of us on this podcast and all probably all 21 followers on Twitter. Shout out followers. Mm-hmm. I've got an intro here and I want to hop him up. The meanest 10 foot jump shot the Adams Middle School gymnasium had ever seen. The finest mustache in the big sandy re- in the big sandy valley region. A man of the cloth, a friend of the pod, Seth Carter. Where am I, and how did I get here? We had to. We actually drugged him to come on here. So uh, we, we, yeah. But what's up, dude? How you been? Hi, guys. It's good to see you all. I am a fan of the pod, by the way. I'm a fan of two kinds of pods: this pod and pod racing in Star Wars. So it <laughs> is an showing honor your age. to be here. Yeah, You're showing your age. Yep. Okay, that little hilarious blip we played at the beginning uh, was a video that resurfaced this week of Pastor Joe Nelms uh, at a NASCAR race in Darlington back in 2011. I immediately spit my drink out when I heard it because it is, uh, as Southerners, we can all, you know, find solace in the fact that that is down home and that sounds very similar to the church I grew up in. So... Uh, it made me laugh. I knew we had to play it to get things going. And I also wanted Seth's uh, honest reaction to the video. Yeah, I, I'm jealous. I mean, that what a privilege for any pastor <laughs> to pray for mighty machines. I mean, come on. <laughs> we cut it off early. It gets way oh, better. Oh, yeah. You should watch we, that. We, we need to clip. listen to it after the show. I mean, that's like a ministry-defining moment for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a cult following did, now so as way. as someone in that position mm-hmm. how can he top that i don't really think that i mean honestly the only way to top that is to pray at the daytona 500 <laughs> i mean you gotta stay in the same lane can it get yeah. better than praying for yeah That's hey good. yeah so i mean it's impressive yeah i really chuckled it was it was great 
All right, let's hop in. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. It's been a week. Brian gets to do these every single day. Alex has to wait seven days. So I'm yeah. rip raring, ready to go. Nick, let's put, let's jump into the most uh, controversial topic of last episode, and it deals with the newfound um, trend on social media to name the "Let me speak to your manager" uh, people as the female version as Karen. So, Seth, I don't know if you're aware of something like that. It's probably, uh, it's, it's all over social media. So, we asked a simple question is, theoretically, who is Karen married to? And you can see, I don't want to name who's hmm. option one, hmm. but it might be the guy talking. <laughs> um, well, everybody gets one, Alex. Everybody, everybody yeah. gets one. Hey, great competition. Frank, I was pulling for you. Uh, I would have voted for you, but I had to vote for myself. Um, 11 you votes. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah, 11 votes. Hey, that's what we like to see. Yeah. 63%. I mean, that's a landslide, guys. Like, that is, like, m- more than statistically significant. I'll be honest. Mm. I didn't see this. I would have voted for myself. Okay. <laughs> Mayor's milk. Mayor's milk for all involved. Can we be sure that there's not been any Russian involvement? Hey, no, that's what I was thinking. Probing some some outside influence here on these votes. What I'm thinking. Funny money. Hey, I'll take it. Okay, a dub's a dub, right? That's what, true. If you, yeah, like, what, that's what has true. the NCAA shown us? If you cheat, you got to win. If you cheat and win, they don't take anything. But if you mm. just cheat and lose, then they punish you. So I live yeah. my life. Yeah, unless there's. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that Will Allen, Louisville fan, but you know what I'm getting at. Okay. (laughs) Substantive content for Seth's episode. I heard, uh, well, I do it all the time, right? So I am not whatever brain you need to be to be number savvy, uh, analytical. That's not my brain. I'm the other brain. I don't know if it's left or right, Brian, Seth. I don't, maybe you guys can tell me about it. No idea. I'm a word guy. I'm a speaker. I'm a, I, I, I can just talk and, you know, the opposite of a scientist, may you say. So when I hear words that are spoken, whatever dialect, incorrectly, mm-hmm. as they are written in the, in the dictionary, it, it bugs me. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't take enough time to research that new word that you're trying to use in front of me, right? That makes sense. Correct. So I want to tee it up to you guys. And I've got a heater, let me tell you. What are some words that pester you when you hear them spoken in a normal sentence that you know are incorrect and they read out and they're spelled out in a different way? So us being from back home, we will have no problem filling this uh, filling this poll. But Brian, hit me with a winner. Um, well, it's kind of, I've got two. One of them. Denied. And mm, that's. <laughs> That's a good one, but I'm going to say library as library. Oh, or that is, that's a good one. Yeah, or like when people say espresso instead of espresso, <laughs> they want to go. Let's all go to the library and get Let's some espresso. That those two really get on my nerves. But also now that I'm thinking about it, Alex, now that you're saying this, any anytime somebody adds an S to the end of something. Yeah. Walmart's. Mm-hmm. Elazul. Yeah, that was my... It's Elazul. 
Pekings. I was gonna say Walmart. Pekings. Walmart's yeah, yeah, but I'm those those are mine. Just you know, pick take your pick of the litter for mine. <laughs> That's uh, very true and contextual, close to the heart. Yeah, Nick, yeah. what do you got? <clears throat> well, besides Walmart's, like the phrase, <laughs> I could care less. Oh, I had that one on my <laughs> list. Oh you man, could. you could. Could yeah, you? Yeah, could maybe. You? I know that's another. That is a great one. And to be honest, you don't know. Growing up, you just hear that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my. You done, Nick? I got a list. Yeah. You ready? I'm gonna start my list off with another one that people say every single day. Supposedly. <laughs> what? <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> I said that for 20 years. Supposedly, and then you're like. <laughs> Supposedly, I suppose that is correct. Can you be a little bit more pacific about what you're talking about? <laughs> no, that's God. We're knocking this one. I've got uh, the one that I heard this week that spun this thought was realtor. It's mm. realtor. Yeah. No, realtor. Mm. Yeah, you just call your realtor. I'm like, well, okay, I, I'll give it a shout. Some other ones, I don't, okay, I don't want to take Seth. Seth, what you got? I know we put you on the spot. Tee it up. So, you know, I'm right here in the midst of it, um, mm. surrounded by all this lovely language. And the one that comes to my mind is how people say the in front of everything. I'm going to go to the Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Walmart as if it is the only one on the planet. It is. <laughs> That's the only. Right now, it could. You never know what's going on out there. That's true. The WalMarts. The yeah, WalMarts. the WalMarts. Exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, right. it's down by the library. That's it. That's, <laughs> the, that's the WalMarts. Yeah. I've also got, and this would tear that my dad shout out to bag tournament. Mm. He crawls out of his skin when someone says NCAA tournament. He will throw the remote. Oh my gosh, he said tournament. Uh, this may be a product of where we were raised in our dialect, but if you say, like if you if you're a, we would say, say this word, Brian, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, say that. Finance. Correct. If you say finance, mm. I have a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, finance. Finance. Financier. Financier. Maybe that's the French way. I don't know. I don't know if that word's French. Mm -hmm. Just, just, oui, it just oui. grounds. Me. I think we're on to a. I think we're on to a a steadfast segment. Grinds my gears. Mm. It's it's cathartic. That I feel be better. when I sat down. Mm. Yeah, that uh, we were on a roll there. That felt just. Uh, get well, on that out. Last one and I'm done. Last one and I'm done. Irregardless. Wait, is that a real word? I use that word. Irreg I'm pretty sure irregardless is okay, a word. Scratch that. Cut. Irregardless. It, Shouldn't it be regardless of? Maybe that. Hmm. Could Google be. that. Okay. Nick, do your thing. I'm going to be wrong. Irregardless. This is my hmm. embarrassment. Oh, it just means regard. 
Maybe it's sometimes, sometimes used in place of regardless or irrespective, which has caused controversy since the early 20th century, though the word appeared in print as early as 1795. Yeah, here's my saving grace. Look at the first, look at the first Merriam-Webster link right there. Yes, we define irregardless as regardless. Many people find irregardless to be nonsensical. There we go. That's me. I find it to be nonsensical. Thank you, Miriam. Moving on. Okay, Seth. I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show before, or this show, the, the, this pod, but um, did you watch Tiger King? I have not. I have not. I have followed enough social media that I feel like I understand it slightly, but I have not watched the show. Well, Brian, you watch it. Oh, yeah. I think I watched it in like a day. Nick, you hit it. Mm-hmm. Seth, I can tell you that it's seven hours of your life that are better spent doing something else. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, but there's some news that came out this week. There's actually two bits of news. Mm-hmm. The first being, for those of you that have seen the show, you know Joe Exotic uh, ran for president instead of the Libertarian Party or Independent Party in the state of Oklahoma. Um he was forced to give over, I forget what percentage, I think it was 60 acres of his farm in Oklahoma to his mortal nemesis, Harold mm. Baskin. So, had we not been in a nationwide pandemic and locked in with Netflix being the only thing on uh, on television, we would not really care about such a phenomenon. But, this is huge because... If you follow the series, he spends an exorbitant amount of money and time trying to make 16 acres is what she was awarded. Wow. That's not a lot of room for all those animals. That's probably, I mean, I think he has 200-some tigers. Think about how many, I wonder if it's just the land. I wonder how much you could pay somebody to run through 16 acres full of tigers. I don't just know. To see, just to see. 16 acres. So that's that's a lot of tigers per acre. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a disproportionate amount of tigers. Calculation per acre? For a square footage of jungle cat in steel cage. Oh, wow. Jungle cat in a steel cage. Oh, I was kidding. Jungle cat. Yeah, so for those of you that did not see that news, uh, we like to we like to bring stuff to the table after it's been sitting for two or three days. So I hope that that finds you well and shocks you and sparks a reinterest back into your show. I would just like to say real quick that after this is over, I'm going to go back and watch How to Catch a Humane Cat in a Steel Cage. There was a four-minute and 23-second <laughs> tutorial about that. <laughs> Because Emily and I have a cat that I don't really care for, but she loves. And this could be what I've been looking for. How to set a humane cat trap. <laughs> I mean, that is good information. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I guess it would be. And it's an eight-year-old video. You know it's the best out there. Oh, it's quality. Yeah, if it's still showing up on the top searches for that, mm-hmm. it's 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 up there. Yeah. Seth? This is how my brain works. 
these two know it, and you know it very well too. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm just everywhere. This hat does a, a poor job at keeping me contained. But what are biblically, pastorally, don't call out anybody. What are some of your favorite mispronounced words in the Bible? Oh my! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ones that you hear and you go, okay, I understand what he's saying, but it really should be, or he or she is saying, but it should be. Oh. Yeah. Mm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, nothing comes to my mind real quick. I guess I could think about it a little bit deeper. You know, it's not a big deal, but a lot of people say the book of Revelations. It's actually the book of Revelation. See, right on par. Um, that I didn't know. One. I was probably uh, 14 before I realized the book of Job was the book of Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be Job. We could all be wrong. <laughs> That's mm. the thing. We don't know. Yeah. we got to have enough humility to say, hey, we could have got this wrong for 3,000 years. No, so, that's not, we don't possess that. No. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, I can't really think of anything right now. Maybe it'll come to me by the end of the show. I can't think of one either. I don't know why I would ask such a question, but as you are well aware, this is how I roll. That's a tough, you know, the Lord has placed me in a very grammatically sound church. So. <laughs> oh. They, they <laughs> I'm keep... surrounded by English teachers and oh. smart people. So they keep you keyed up, huh? <laughs> they keep me keyed up. And they keep me honest. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's awesome. That's cool. All right. We're going to move into the college basketball section. And mm. I told so, for those of you that really know Nick Khan, you know that he's a Closet Duke fan. He will say that he's not, but he, he used to kind of be a Duke fan. So, I, th- I think he I think we pulled him over to the – I think he's full-blown Wildcat now. Am I wrong, Nick? No, you're right. Okay, good. quite some time. We, we, had, we, we worked on him. From the time we were in middle school, we finally got him. We grabbed him. We stole him from the clutches of the of the Dukies. So I guess I just really need to apologize to Austin McKinney for the story I'm about to tell. But don't know if you guys have been keeping up. Um, Zion Williamson is involved in a civil case right now with, I believe it's an, a marketing agency or a, a talent acquisition uh, husband and wife team that pretty much uh, sued him and are trying to uh, – get him to answer the question under oath whether or not he accepted improper benefits during his time at Duke. So uh, this kind of stuff pops up all the time. You don't really, you know, it'll pop up and it's a, it's a news topic for a couple of days and then a judge strikes it down. People get paid off, whatever. Duke's done this before. Corey McGetty blatantly took money. Everybody knows Corey McGetty took money uh, and, and nothing really happened. So this one is significant because People that know say that it was blatant Zion didn't try to hide it, lived in a huge house, had an extremely fancy car. Um, not to say that that stuff couldn't have come from, you know, a, a job on campus or something, but we're talking, you know, exorbitant uh, expenditures. But the judge that this went before uh, said that he will have to test, he will have to testify under oath. So. This is a big deal, uh, especially for us Wildcat fans. Anybody out there listening, uh, you obviously don't wish any harm on anybody involved, but I think we're going to get ready to see kind of the, the curtain has been in the process of being peeled back on college basketball for a couple of years, starting with the whole Adidas thing, the shoe deals where they were paying players. But um, it's going to be exciting to see 
what happens. So, Seth, I know you keep up with college basketball. Do you think he took the money? Well, you know, there's a good possibility that he just simply worked part-time at the campus Starbucks and really did well. I tried to not throw him under the bus, but I, the rumor is a white Bentley. So if you can oh. get a Bentley at Starbucks, I will be there tomorrow. Good Their tip. espressos are pretty expensive. Express- <laughs> that's what it was. He, w- he makes the best espressos. That's mm-hmm. it. That's what Some it was. Some even say it's, it jump starts their day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Nick, what do you think? I mean, I feel like a lot of them are now. You like, you yeah. know, I feel like this is one of the main starting points of them starting. You know, be like, okay, you know, there's something that has to be done. You know, which I don't know about after the pandemic and the money. You know, we'll yeah. see. But so the, the, th- the important thing to watch is going to be so he's already he's been summoned that he has to testify under oath. Summons probably the wrong word. My lovely wife and legal counsel will listen to this and let me know that I sound not very intelligent. But he's been ordered to, to answer the question under oath, so it's going to be important to watch and say if this just goes away, presumably that the, the couple is asking for $5 million in hush money. So uh, that's a lot of cheddar. So um, I, part of me is like, you know, I believe that Kentucky does a great job and does not cheat and, and do that and benefit players in that way. So you want to see Duke fall down because we all hate Duke. Um, but another part of me, like you said, Nick, is I think this is going to open the curtain and we may find out some stuff, all fan bases, fans of college basketball. I think you may find stuff out that yeah. it, you don't, you you don't know, like It do. depends on, I guess, really who paid him. You know, like, was it the school or was it Nike? Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question that I have. Um not that long ago, or not that many years ago, I believe it was that Sebastian, what was his name, Sebastian Telfair? Telfair, yep. Um, didn't he have an instance where he was talking about how there were nights where he like was going hungry and wasn't like getting adequate food? So is it possible that this is just, what school was he at then? Do you guys he remember? Went to, he was going to go to Louisville, right, Nick? I think so, or- but he went somewhere else. He, I think he was headed to Louisville because Will was gassed up about Sebastian Telfair. He yeah. went. He was headed to Louisville, and then something happened. Maybe um, this wasn't Sebastian Telfair. This this was more recent than this. Um, this has just been a few years ago. I Gosh, think I wish Shabazz, Shabazz uh, Napier. Yeah, from yeah, UConn. that's who it was. Yeah, so UConn. So, do you think that this is going to be? certain schools that do this or certain players that just benefit from this as opposed to, you know, all big schools doing it for all of their players. I don't know. Because there's definitely, because you, you, these schools and the NCAA make so much money off of college basketball. And so do like the companies involved. Adidas makes, you know, any company related to that makes uh, an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah. And part of that is marketing and these players, that's that's what they use to market and they don't get paid to play. I think college basketball players should get paid. Yeah. Um I think and I think they should have like an insurance. Like they should be given insurance. Yeah. Because you see, especially with like football players, a lot of football like athletes will be great. Uh one that comes to mind to me is Marcus Lattimore. Mm-hmm. He 
and you know he blew both of his knees out and his you know his career was over gosh man uh, he still made the pros but he wasn't he was it was over yeah like, he right. yeah he they uh he made it to the for the 49ers actually yeah. got him and they cut him i think he coaches now but yeah. he was so good he was such a good player and his whole career was ended yeah and he doesn't have like they don't have insurance they're not getting money so he wasn't able to save and yeah really kind of prepare yeah um so i think that's kind of how these schools or and these companies do with these athletes they you know they pay them seth yeah back to zion you know i i hope the best for him he seems to be a solid guy i saw where he paid the salary uh for a lot of the workers um during this time which i thought was a really good move um you know i put I try to put myself in that situation, you know, as highly touted as he was, probably the most touted guy since LeBron. Absolutely. And you got people offering you all this stuff. I mean, just think about the pressure that he was under. Um, it's really kind of hard to fathom that. I, what was he, 18? Was he 18 last year? Uh, an 18-year-old kid, basically, is being swept up in all this. Not to say that if he took that thing, I mean, he, he still did wrong, but um, – I guess I would give more grace to a guy like that. Um, I wouldn't come down as hard. Yeah, and and I think that's what – I don't think – I mean, we're getting ready to see what kind of loyalty that he's got to his program because, yeah, I mean, seemingly, guys, there's no skin off his back. Mm-hmm. Like, he's mm-hmm. not, not going to be punished. It's They're going to ask him a question. If he chooses to answer, he's saving $5 million, and then – It'll happen with whatever happens with Duke happens with Duke. But, I mean, we're getting ready to see what kind of relationship, I guess, he, you know, and how he feels about his time there. But I agree, Seth. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they offered me a bunch of money coming out of high school, too. And, uh, you know, things just didn't really, things just didn't work out. I was in the Hummer with you one time when you got a call from Campbellsville coach. And I could have <laughs> swore I heard him say like $8,000, but I didn't yeah. know what that was about. Yeah. He was actually saying, "That's what you owe before you can come play here." That's it. <laughs> well, That's no, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and I also remember going on the field with you at UK. I think it was either sophomore, junior oh, year, cool. and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the punter handed you a crisp one hundred dollar bill to put in your yes, pocket. Yes, that is big facts. He owed me. We had a game. We had an inside deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he pinned Mississippi State inside the twenty three times in a row, I would pay him. Yeah. And he only did it twice, so uh, he had to pay me. Seth's, uh, of course, making out. So. <laughs> but no, that was a lot of fun. I, I forgot about that, Seth. That was that was uh, the wildest man in show business. Was our chauffeur that evening? He dressed was. in clothes straight out of 1975. Shout yeah. out to my grandfather, who will never listen to this. So many cigars were smoked in the vehicle that I yeah. now have no. no use of my left lung. Yeah, Seth has actually has 80% lung capacity since that trip. Yeah. That's how much secondhand smoke happened. Uh, and, you know, I, I was probably 17, and I was having to plead with a man in his 60s that you could not smoke a cigar in Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah, it was worth it. It was all worth it. <laughs> yeah, so great story. Yeah. Great story. Okay, so – Stay on the lookout for that. See what happens. We don't, I mean, we don't wish it on anybody, but if it's going to happen to anybody, <laughs> we'd be okay if it happened to Duke. I mean, whatever. Uh, so, on that same subject, I announced today 
NBA owners have agreed upon a condensed schedule to take place. Nick, I'm going to need your help here. I believe it begins in July, if I read that correctly. Here we go. Here we go. 22 teams returning for the NBA postseason. How many total teams are there? Ooh. 30, I think. 30? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't I don't know. And and I didn't other hmm. oh wow. Okay, Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Can I save more money on car insurance by switching to Geico? You sure can. Okay. Who is this guy? No, I'm kidding. So that's exciting. Um I it's gonna be I am inter, I, I'm interested for two reasons. Number one, live sports, thank you, injected into my paint. July thirty first. That's an eternity from right now. <gasps> Jeez, world wars were fought and lost in that amount of time. <laughs> uh yeah. No, you act like the last six months hasn't flown by. Well, I mean, don't, don't <laughs> news to me. tell me I gotta wait forty eight days. It's like just you know, oh man! I don't know. Uh, we have to wait for this month's. We have to wait for this month's like crazy thing. Yeah, it's 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 just started. We have to, yeah. you know. And then next month, we got to wait through all of next month's crazy Who thing knows? too. You may never dribble again. Just think, the locust will be here by the time the NBA season <laughs> for real. starts. For real, Seth, is it frogs next? I, you know, I, that is the <laughs> biblical pattern. <laughs> And also large boils on the skin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Good thing we all stocked up on our PPE. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, when the sky gets dark in the middle of the day, PPE ain't going to help us. (laughs) We're in trouble. Yep. (laughs) Oh, okay, I forgot. Oh, we're excited. Live sports. We want it injected into our veins. Secondarily... I'm interested to see what kind of shape these guys stayed in. Well, I, I was getting ready to say. Like normalizing somebody, humanizing, like James Harden or Russell Westbrook being like, okay, these guys are normal. They only scored 21 points tonight instead of 75 had they played the entire season. Westbrook I was going to say. Triple-double. Yeah. <clears throat> like, what do you think is going to happen as far as – because, you know, their schedules are smaller – and these guys seemingly have been off for so long, and they're going to be practicing a lot. Um, is this going to make some players better than others? Like, they've been playing the whole season and scoring like 70 points. Like, do you think that's legitimately going to be a big thing? I think we're going to see, and to steal one out of old Al's book of isms here, <laughs> BT Dub, which is. Balls to the wall. I think you're going to see basketball that is going to be uh, exciting. It's going to be like I, I think it's going to. I think they're going to get a great review on this because you know the talk before all this, they were, you know, Ka- Kawhi is famous for for load management. You know, taking a Tuesday off, whatever that is. So you got 22 teams. You got a condensed schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's on the line. You know, it's essentially the playoffs, just a different version of the playoffs. So I think it's going to be. Uh, so everybody's just going to be going hard. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. It's like going to be gym ball. Yeah, it's. It, I think you could <laughs> compare it to a Monday night at six thirty at Archer Park Gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the eight thirty crowd 
it, it wouldn't be the eight thirty crowd. It'd be the six thirty crowd. Oh yeah. I you know I am a little concerned that there could be quite a few injuries. Uh, yeah, that's another point. Um, guys aren't going to be in good shape, and I'm. I think you're exactly right. They're going to beat and bang. It's going to be like Bill Lambeer and the '90s Pistons out there. Bad boys. It is. They're going to yeah. want to hit somebody. They've been off for so long. And you know what? They have to let them. You just got to yeah. let them. You can't be. You don't be blowing that. We can't be doing that, Andy. We can't be doing that. Can't be doing it. Hey, I, I do want to make a bold prediction on the air. Oh. Lakers mm-hmm. win the championship. Over the Bucks, I think, in five, simply because LeBron James has not taken a day off since all this started. Yeah. He has a home gym in L.A. You know he's as fired up as anybody. I think it's destiny, too. You know what we forget in all this? Kobe, di- Kobe died this year. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Yep. And the last dance came out, so he's got to get the, the last yeah. Dude, I fell asleep watching. I've still not finished that. I've got a couple episodes. I don't know if you listened to uh, episode four, Seth. Not all of it. Uh, did you hear the Scottie Pippen story? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. We are big Chicago Bulls fans on this podcast. Mm. Uh, let's just say me and Scotty are tight. Oh, I knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah. little plug for you. little plug. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the coolest voice. He is Mr. Cool. If you're into demons, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know exactly what you mean. It's You can't believe it's that deep. Like, yeah. It sounds like it should be hurting him when he speaks. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way. You think, like, man, you need a Laz- Ludens or something, you know. But... It is, and it's that deep in person, too. I mean, what's on Last Dance and the way he talks, it seems to just be getting deeper. (laughs) You know, I envy that. Yeah, it's impressive. As the songbird of my generation, you know, I can only hope to go an octave lower Mm -hmm. uh, when I get that old, so. I'd love to be able to preach in that monotone. I mean, it would just (laughs) blow the speakers out of our sanctuary. Oh, (laughs) you'd have to reinforce your, your bass. You'd have, like... Kickers everywhere. You could get yourself like a soundproof room that you do your preaching in, <laughs> so, so it like can contain. Yeah. The, you know, it can contain it. You wrap windows. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. For, so for those of you that may have picked up Holler Pot on episode five, be sure to check out episode four, where we get on Scotty Pippen. Brian, yeah, this that's all is the news called a callback. A callback. Yes. Uh, he's still not texting me. I gave him a number, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I told him anytime he comes to town again, let me know. I'll take him to Tally Ho or whatever. But uh, he's not texting me, so well, I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, yeah, he'll probably hear this and be like, "Oh yeah, I forgot to text that Alex guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. I saw where he subscribed. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. A large part of this is due to Scotty. Yeah, really. He just yeah. uh, drove us to. Uh, Drove us to, to ramble on incoherently about things that are have been in the news for two to three days by the time we report them. <laughs> Just give it time so, to simmer. That's that's what you guys do. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, we season. The correct word would be season. We That's we right. let it season. You know, hey, you know crockpot meals are better than a microwave. So you guys just let it sit in the crock pot, and then by the time you get it, oh, yeah. that delicious smell is just yeah. ready. We yeah. are uh, the cast iron skillets of the podcast world. Yeah. You don't wash it off. You just let it sit there. You know, and and three days after the fact, it's better than it was three days before. That's right. So, hundred percent. Uh, I mean, I'll just tell you. NPR might be number one, but you guys are a close second. I Thank mean, you, Seth. I, I mean, actually, I don't know if I'd put a number on it. I think we're at the same level at this point. It's a letter at that point, one and one A. That's exactly right. <laughs> and it flip flops every week. Who's the A? Bingo, bingo. Yeah. So I me, think I, I think that you should. Uh, we should put that as a stamp of approval. I, I think so. I mean. I'll, I'll be honest, this is big for me personally, for my ministry. One of my deacons contacted me today and asked if I was going to be on a webinar tonight. I said, I'll be on a friend's podcast, and it's pretty much nationally syndicated. So <laughs> this is. You, you ain't know. right. You ain't right. That's great. That's awesome. Seth, I got I got to ask, and I'm glad you. Everybody takes a deep breath when I have to ask. Um, What's it like ministering to the childhood rivals of the Prestonsburg Black Hats? Dude, it's tough. <laughs> I I am the chaplain for Paintsville High You traitor. I, I know. I know. No, I'm kidding. And they presented me this past season with a signed football. The whole team signed it. It's right here in my office. I mean, irony of ironies. I'm married to a Tiger. I minister oh. to Tigers. Oh, it is well. You know Set. what though? This is like Prestonsburg North right now. You know what? I'm glad you said that. Because like nine out of the eleven starters last year were from Peaburg. so yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's okay for that reason. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. I, uh, you know, like you said, Prestonsburg North. We actually know a lot of those kids. They grew up in Prestonsburg. Yeah, and some of them actually still live in Prestonsburg. They do, and man, they are super good athletes. I mean, yeah. Prestonsburg would have been loaded if those guys would have stayed. Yeah, loaded. That's tough, yeah, That's tough to swallow. But I, I, I know you do too. I love Coach Jericho. I'm so happy to be his chaplain and to be with him. He, he's a super good, good guy. Mm-hmm. Jam up, dude. Yep. Well, of course, we're just joking. The Tigers. If I was going to pick an enemy that I would side with immediately, <laughs> be them before anyone else. Not Pikeville, not Belfry, not not no not nobody, not no never. Yeah, the Tigers are okay in my book. My sister went there. Um, I think I don't remember. <laughs> just I think that's correct. Okay, thank you. That's 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 good. I can no, I'm kidding. That. It's a great school. Great school. Great great group of teachers. The yep. chaplain uh, is a decent guy. Um, yeah, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about their chaplain. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real page turner. <laughs> no, we we joke, we joke. That's awesome. So we're we're gonna we're gonna transition here, Seth, and uh, I, I'd like to get the news out of the way, get things, you know, real uh, joyful and and make people laugh and and, and I think I'm I'm out of content, but uh, I'm gonna we're gonna turn it over to Brian, who is uh, prepared for an episode of Biblical Proportions. 
So, Seth, we, I don't know if you know this, but we also have a little subsection called the Grassy Knoll. Yeah, that's what terrifies me, honestly. <laughs> well, here on the Grassy Knoll, we just go out in the weeds. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. just kind of explore a few different ideas about some things that people might not normally think to explore. Sure. Um, so... Being a minister during a global pandemic, mm-hmm. historically, how has the church dealt with global catastrophe, global pandemics, things of that nature? Like, is there stuff that you guys, you personally have leaned on from the fa- from the past or learned on and kind of tried to implement to today's world or maybe learned from past mistakes, stuff like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I love church history. So um, just from some studies in my past, it's it's really clear that uh, the church has always dealt with global pandemics. Uh, in around 250, there was a pandemic that swept through the Roman Empire uh, that the church had to deal with. Um, obviously, the, the plague uh, from the 13th yeah. century really lasting, I think, in some places till the 17th century. A lot, of the, a lot of the reformers had to deal with the effects of the plague, which were just unbelievable. Devastating. And then in the 19th century, uh, especially in places where industrialization was starting to happen, um, you saw some outbreaks of things like cholera and typhi- uh, typhus mm-hmm. and diphtheria, those kind of things that the church had to deal with then. And what seems to be true throughout church history is that the church has often led the way in their response to uh, catastrophe and pandemic, not medically, um, but compassionately, uh, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. The the church has led the way in caring for the sick and in really laying down their life to take care to take care of those who are affected and. Um, just a really quick story back in the two fifties, when that plague or whatever it was swept through the Roman empire, the Christians were severely per- persecuted, uh, for their faith. And there's a letter that still exists to this day from, uh, a Roman, I don't know if it was from the emperor, I don't know who it was from, but it was to a certain colony. And basically he said, you guys need to get your act together because the Christians are showing you up. In other mm-hmm. words, the Christians are taking care not only of the other sick Christians, but they're taking care of the sick pagans. And a lot of the pagans were converting to Christianity simply because of the way Christians were taking care of them in the midst of that pandemic. And so I think that that's always been true of the church. I hope that it's true right now in what we've faced in these last few months. Um, but historically, at least, Christians have handled these circumstances well. Hmm. That's really cool. What's really what, cool. What is it? And I mean, I we we all grew up in the Bible about Seth. Yeah. Um, you the know, buckle. the buckle. Yeah, right <laughs> in the buckle. So I mean, we are very fortunate to to have to have had that upbringing. Yeah. So to me, a great place of comfort was my church. Is my church. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when things are the worst, 
that that's where you go the most. You need to be the most, you know. So it was it was I don't want to get political, but it was hard to stomach the fact that we could go to the grocery store but we couldn't gather for church during during this pandemic, you know. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, how do you what was the I don't even know what I'm trying to say. How did they convey that message to you? What is the governing authority for you guys? Who says you can't open these doors on Sunday? And how was that message conveyed and upheld, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, the only way for me as a local church pastor to know what to do was to listen to Andy every day at five. Yeah, And there were days, I'm sure you guys were listening to some of that too, in which churches needed instruction, and we didn't get it. And so Scripture tells us to be submissive to the governing authorities and the law of the land, because as Paul says in Romans 13, government is a minister for our good. And so churches want to be submissive to the government insofar as it does not violate our our right to worship. And I know we could have a long, lengthy discussion about this, and there's probably a lot of people who feel a lot of different ways, but I, I think the time is now clearly here in the United States and certainly even in the Bible Belt in which churches are going to be targeted. I, I think mm. that if you can have people in a grocery store, if you can have, as one of, one guy told me here at the church, you can have 17 people in line at Lowe's on a Sunday morning, but you can't have Sunday morning worship. Guys, churches are being targeted, it, and it might not be intentionally said, but it's what's not being said that that scares me, honestly. And um, so we we have we're now back to worshiping in person, but we tried to be as submissive as possible to the government because that's what I felt like we should do. But if we were in somewhere like California, where they're still facing this kind of pressure, um, I think I would go ahead and, and reconvene. Yeah. And, you know, and it's communicated under the guise of, you know, think, you know, you think about a demographic, a, an age group of a person that is, you know, would be most affected. And then they would say, where does that person, you know, convene more than one time a week, whether that be choir practice or Sunday school, whatever that is. And I understand, you know, that measure that's put, put in place, but. I mean, all of us on the on here would know someone that may be in that age group and would be more comfortable at her church with her church family or with his church family mm-hmm. than at home, you know, shuttered in thinking that the end of the world may, you know, not knowing what to receive from the news media. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough spot, dude. I don't know. It is. It really is. And, you know, this has affected more than just, um, physical well-being it's affected mental health yeah absolutely yeah and people rely on the church for their mental health and so you take that away that's going to have ripple effects throughout every aspect of society yeah that's a good point too and i i we might get into it later i don't know but i i really believe that part of the reason we're seeing so much fury and rage across our country is because of the state of mental health and because the only safe haven in our society, namely the local church, has been closed. Yeah. 
it, it makes I mean it does not surprise me whatsoever that that evil is kind of running rampant because the church has not been able to be there. We, we are a shocked nation. There's no nation. order to the chaos. Yeah. Right. Right. We are a shocked nation that for four months, AA meetings have been closed and liquor stores have been open and there are people running around seemingly on fire. Yep. Yep. Um, Seth, what, what can you say about like the media manipulation during all of this as well? Like, cause you know, CDC numbers have just came out and the death rate is very low. Yeah. Um, and that they have caused, you know, like you said, churches to close, stuff like that. Is that stuff that you guys look at? And is there anything that we can, like, in the Bible that talks about that or anything? Yeah, I I think that there is. And the fact that Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that um, we wage a warfare that's not against flesh and blood, but is against uh, a, a spiritual enemy. Mm-hmm. And in Ephesians 6, he talks about... Um, the demons have a have a rank and order and there are certain you might say high level demons who infiltrate uh, even levels of government and in high positions in our society and this is not me saying that i believe our politicians and and corrupt media uh, moguls are demon possessed i'm not saying that but i am saying that there is spiritual warfare going on in which a media that dictates this, the narrative and, and politicians that act the way they do, uh, there's more than just a flesh and blood problem. This is a this is a spiritual reality. And ultimately, from Scripture, we know that what's happening, not just in America, but throughout the world, this is simply setting the stage for the Antichrist to come. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah. this as, as we see the way persecution is now sweeping into the United States of America and will continue to get worse— um, it, I mean, things are just unfolding just as Jesus said that they would. Mm. And I, I think the media and, and all that's happening, you know, we used to study the, the bourgeois and the intelligentsia back in what, eighth grade and ninth grade social studies and how all that works in government. Um, it, it's not what we can see that's the issue. It's what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and whatever's happening between the connection between the media and the political realm that that is a scary reality. So, I don't know if there's anything really we can do about it. Well, as far as like as far as this goes, this is sort of a hypothetical. But if and I totally agree that there are demonic entities at play in high-ranking members of you know the government and the media, and with with that influence, that um, that dark influence there. And it's being projected out this this constant fear and, you know, over really what has turned out to be nothing as far as COVID. But they had everybody so scared and, like you said, locked in and churches closed. Do you think that that is a direct result of that kind of influence? I do. I do. Because, you know, Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. Yeah. He's deception. That's their whole game. That's right. And so we shouldn't be surprised to be deceived by these kind of entities that are that, that have some kind of spiritual demonic involvement. I, tr- I truly believe that, that that um, deceptions at the core of this thing. And and it's really, you know, our society is at the place now where they don't know what to believe. They don't know who to believe. Yeah. And there there is no standard of absolute truth anymore where we're we are as postmodern as it can possibly get. And 
you know, if you don't have a standard of absolute truth, which flows into a standard of morality, then, you know, you don't even have a standard of justice. That's the reason people can't find justice is because there is no standard of truth. Seth, have you ever read any Nietzsche? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, he has the quote, and it's it's people never finish the quote. He's it's um, God is dead, mm-hmm. and the end of the quote is, and we've killed him. And it's kind of what you're talking about as far as society has lost that moral code, yeah, and things are able to run rampant. Yeah, God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we yeah, come for ourselves? Like Alex. That's yeah. right, man. Episode yeah. one. Check, he, check. he also has this concept of like the Uber man, and it and it is about self growth and self reflection, and it's and you know the, his whole thing was that moral code of the Bible mm-hmm. as a as a way to advance. So, do you think that we will see from all of this? Um, because I feel like a lot of people are waking up to the fact that the media, media, especially in politicians, are manipulated and they manipulate things. Do you think that we're going to see like a resurgence um, within the church and maybe some, you know, some new progressive, you know, stuff like that as far as the church goes? It's hard to say. I, I think what you're going to see is people who were on the fringe of the church to begin with are going to kind of drift away. Um, people who have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus, I think that we're going to see them strengthened. Um, I so think eating out. Yeah. And I think historically you could look at somewhere like Scotland. Scotland is 40 years ahead of us in terms of secularization. And, and the effects that that has had, this kind of Nietzschean philosophy has had in Scotland, um, has been absolutely frightening for the church in the sense that people have left the church and then turned on the church almost on a dime. It's not that people are going to run away from the church and just say, hey, you know, you guys do what you do, but for us, we're going to go this way. It Rather, it's now we're going to step away from you and turn on you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's what we're going to see. And this whole Nietzschean philosophy— I mean, it, it is. It doesn't come out of a vacuum. It's very, very been very much alive, and I think it's going to come to life even more in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we talk about you know media and, and politics, and and I mean, objectively, all of us go back to third grade, right? Yeah. Fourth grade, your loudest kid in your class <clears throat> is is a troublemaker, right? Right, knows the least, doesn't know when to hush. Always in trouble. I've always I've heard my entire life. The quietest man in the room is the strongest. So mm-hmm. that is an important that's an important parable story to keep you know keep in mind to say. Look, they're going to try to obliterate your critical thinking or mm-hmm. or any faith based thinking that that you have yeah. and beliefs that you may have founded. Yeah. Um, but it's just literacy. I mean, you can't. They want to obliterate your critical thinking. So, I mean, now more than ever, like you said, people are turning, and that's where we're at in society. So, I mean, you, I, I'm preaching to the choir, but um, preach on, brother. What you said about Scotland—that's where we're at now. You guys yeah. do your thing. It's just not my fit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this. That's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It, the the sad thing is, it just doesn't stay there. 
you you grow from that position of um, uninvolvement to hostility. Yep. And I'd like to get your all's opinion on this because uh, growing up, all of us in the Bible Belt, you're familiar with this, but I'd like to see what you think about it. I tell our church all the time that our world, especially now our country, has this conception that Christians are people of faith, and therefore that means that they don't think like you're talking about. They they t- mm. they don't have critical thinking. They have taken their brain out and put it under the seat, and they're just leaning on the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as a crutch. Now, that that's a conception that I think a lot of people have of Christians, but— when we open our Bibles, what we find is argumentation, propositions, evidence, proof, eyewitnesses. What the Apostle Paul says to Festus as he testifies before this high-ranking Roman official, he, he gives him the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and then he says, what I'm telling you is true and rational words. Festus tried to say, Paul, you're out of your mind. And Paul responds by saying, I'm, I'm not out of my mind. I'm not irrational. I am critically thinking. And what I'm presenting to you is true and rational. And I think that one of the way our society tries to attack the church is simply by telling us that we're people who don't use our brains. Everybody else in society thinks deeply about life. But the church, you guys just don't think. You just try to have this thing called faith. But faith is always rational. It always stands to reason, right? I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, not because it's some kind of fairy tale story that I tell my kids, but because, as Scripture says, over 500 people saw him risen from the dead. 100%. And, and, and these people don't die for lies. Who, who in the world would give up their life, be nailed to a Roman cross for a, a myth? You'd be crazy to do that. So— but if you see a man risen from the dead who claims to be the son of God, son of man, Lord and Savior, well, yeah, he's worth giving your life for. And so I think that's the message that the church is going to have to drill down in the coming days is that we're not irrational. Uh, we have we have proof. We have evidence. If you if people will just take some time and seriously reason this out, I think that they can find that this is true. Come on now. Seth, I, like my I granny gotta, said, if I don't get your fire burning, your wood's wet. Yeah, a little caveat from that. I know what that's you know like on a conspiratorial side. Getting um, if you you can have evidence and show people things, but that you get called crazy, and I think that's sort of kind of the same thing. Yeah, just from is. a different angle. Yeah, because absolutely. a lot of and a lot of the conspiracy stuff overlaps with biblical stuff. And there's a lot of correlation there. And I think it is sort of like a sob to make people that are rational thinkers and have evidence-based stuff to make yeah. them sound crazy. Because, you know, it is fantastic. Like, it is, it's a wonder. It's, you know, it's a miracle. Like, that's not something you see every day. It is something kind of crazy and magical. And with since that's not everyday thing for for people, they can't really fathom, you know, yeah, that it's real. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a problem. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I preached on the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Um, and part of what I preached on was when Jesus rises from the dead, um, 
the Jew, the Jewish leaders, the religious authorities who had him crucified, who handed him over to Pilate, they posted a Roman guard with a Roman seal on the tomb. If you remember the story, an angel from heaven comes to mm. the to, to 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 roll the stone away, and those guards basically pass out because of fear. Now they get up and they change their britches, and then they go back to the Roman authorities. No, I'm sorry, to the Jewish authorities. They don't want to go back to Pilate because they know he'll he'll put them Kill. to death because yeah. they failed. They go back to the Jewish authorities, and this is what Scripture says. It says that immediately they started to craft a story that they could spread around to people to deceive them. In other words, they Deception. knew. Yeah, they knew they've got a real resurrection on their hands. But what do they do? They don't even take time to investigate that. They immediately start to craft a deceptive story. You yeah. tell me there is nothing new under the sun. It's the great deceiver. That's exactly what we're dealing with today. Yeah. Because people reason this out like, okay, this is true, but I can't believe it. So I'm just going to try to deceive myself and others. Hmm. So there's a, there's a selfish, I mean, that is human and I don't, it, that is an innate characteristic of humanity since the beginning of time. Yep. And it is something that I have to work. You can be an honest person and you can <laughs> screw up, but you are lying to yourself if the first two milliseconds of your thought in your brain about why you screwed up is not to try to blame somebody else. You're lying. That takes <laughs> work and practice and prayer. Yeah. To be humble, humil you know, to, to be a humble person to say, This is this is why this happened, you know, I'll own this. Yeah. But that's just there are we are wired that way. Absolutely. It I, I'm convinced that the greatest virtue that we can possess is humility. It takes humility to come to Christ as Savior. It, it takes humility to say, I'm a sinner. <laughs> That there's yeah. something wrong with me. That I'm guilty before a holy God. It it takes humility to serve other people and and admit our our wrongs, and yet we are in the selfie generation, <laughs> right? We're in the generation yeah. who, who looks down upon yeah. humble people. Yeah, now yeah. more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. To, to back to the quietest man in the room piece. You know, I. I enjoy I enjoy social media because it allows me to you know we are no longer in the same place every day we don't see each other every day it allows me to connect I get to check in on Seth's you know newest born child congratulations Thank you. Uh, you know I get to see that kind of stuff it brings joy to my heart I get to you know see Brian's hiking at four in the morning Nick's <laughs> in his kayak I get to see all that stuff you know that's stuff I get to see but but yeah. the negative piece of that is the people who are always the loudest are usually incorrect in my book. And and what has social media done? It, it's you've given them a five thousand foot tower with the biggest megaphone in the world, mm -hmm. and it's it's an alternate reality. It's an alternate universe. It's good yeah. for what I mentioned earlier, but it's not reality. Yeah, that's so true. That. That is a good analogy. That's solid. Yeah. I, I've been working on that one, Seth. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I think of the loudest guy in the room, you know who I think of? Me. No. Well, Okay, maybe. good. I thought you were going to You're second. I think of Byron Thacker. <laughs> <laughs> Class clown. Great, yeah. dude. Yeah, he was.
You know what? This is going to sound so weird. You know what I remember about Byron Thacker? No. He, uh, for whatever reason, had his tongue clipped. Under, he did. You remember did. that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. He had like he a Gene Simmons tongue. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. I remember that. So, Seth, I got a, I got kind of a random question for you. Okay, are we still on the grassy knoll? I just want to we be. Can be. We, we can. We can. We can be little snakes in the grass of the knoll. Okay. <laughs> I do um, want to say, two years ago, I had to go to the SBC in Dallas. Emily and I went, and we went and toured the JFK Museum. Basically, the, the, yeah, they've turned it in. That you can go right to the spot where the shot happened. They've turned that oh, old wow. book depository, and then they get you can walk on the grassy knoll. It is a chilling experience i can't imagine uh yeah I bet that's one is. thing i would love to do it's really yeah. cool that is yeah. cool it was just one bullet seth right oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it bounced off the pavement uh you guys seen the irishman yeah no you have seen it seth yeah well yeah i know what you're talking about with matthew mcconaughey no that's um that's the um the gentleman oh okay yeah. the irishman is on netflix and it's about um it's about the mob's involvement in the death of Jimmy Hoffa, but one of the pieces of that book is the mob's involvement to off JFK. Mm. And it's not mentioned in the movie, but it's mentioned in the book that uh, the Irishman, uh, Frank Sheeran, was the one that hand-delivered three Carcano rifles to um, some gentleman in Dallas to take care of an issue. Wow. Well, let me hit you with this one. The Hit same day, the same day that John F. Kennedy was in Dallas, Abraham Lincoln, Have George H. W. Bush. Don't go there. George H. W. Bush, whose Beauty. call sign, whose CIA call sign was Timberwolf, was in Dallas. Bob Dylan just came out with a song about the death of John F. Kennedy. And he mentions that the Wolfman did it. Hmm. 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 To say what you're thinking, so I can verbally accost you. That is heavy. Murder most foul. See if you can find no, Wolfman. Say it. I want you to say it. What are you saying? Oh, H.W. Bush was involved in the assassination of Get John F. Kennedy. Off of here. Mute him right now. <laughs> Hang up on him. Hang. Alex. A servant have, of this country, a resume more in depth than anybody in public service. A great American. Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh it, Wolfman, how? Rub a dub dub, it's a murder most foul. I'm telling you, he was man, involved. When was he born? When was H.W. born, Nick? Alex, I can pull up, I can send you the CIA document no, that shows that. It's it's an internal memo written so by him. 60, when did he die? 69? No, 64. Um, 1121, 60... 1122, 60 what? Guys, I, 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 I promise. No, it would have been 63. <laughs> Kennedy died in 60... I think it was 63, 63 wasn't it? 63. Yeah, 1122, 63. We are ending. I'm telling you. This is what happened, Seth. Man. Hey, you know, can I just say this? Bob Dylan could have been talking about the Wolf Brothers. <laughs> hey, 
I had thought that too, but they are W-U-L-F-E. <laughs> Please do not encourage that type of behavior. <laughs> Dude, you talk about a show that transcended. We I saw, we saw them as kindergartners, and they performed for us as seniors in high school. Man, I'm tell- and Same they were set. just as good. They never lost a beat. Oh. You I know, mean, I bet they're liquid millionaires. Oh, you know it. I don't know. Before I get a temperature and my blood pressure shoots to the top of my head, Google the Wolf Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) W-U-L-F-E. There you go. About us? No way. There they are. Oh, Oh, look at them. Look at them. Oh. Oh, there they are. Unreal. With the matching shocks, the Nike shocks. Man, what is that guy wearing (laughs) on his belt? Related? Yeah, they were they're raised by the same mother wolf. We have been duped. That what right there, right there, your squad that took out JFK boys. <laughs> These are the real guys on the knoll. <laughs> <laughs> they are not related. I am shook more so than HW killing JFK. <laughs> Wait, they live in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, that makes sense. I bet they're going to sell out the Yum Center after all this has died down. A Lexington, Kentucky booking agency served as a home base for them. The Caribbean? (laughs) (laughs) They opened for Three Dog Night. Get out of town, Georgia Brown. Kentucky Anna's longest-running full-time band. Bull, full house band. Shout out Mary Wright. (laughs) Man, their day job okay. is performing educational programs. I bet they're leaving. These, these guys are pretty. Somebody you know. saw their van. I saw on social media. I don't know who it was. Was it my brother? Somebody sent a picture the other day on Snapchat of the. My goodness, what is that? Right there, right there, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Look Dude. at that middle. Oh, my Dude, word. Baby train to heaven. Who Holy is that? <laughs> That's Al Pacino, isn't it? <laughs> and Kenny Rogers. I am shook, boy. I what? will say that he has taken some of that liquid gold for a few facial <laughs> surgeries. I am shook. I am okay. Wow. Hmm. Mm. Weddings? They do weddings? Right. <laughs> yeah. We gotta do this. We, we still haven't hired a band. It's because this is an omen. <laughs> oh, you come on. You and Melissa out there dancing to the Wolf Brothers? <laughs> oh, they provide the mother-son dance, Brian. Mother-son dance, yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. I'm gonna get on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get on this. The Wolf Brothers as icing on the cake. They have to. They have to do the same set though. Actually, I'm going to take a picture of this. Uh, <laughs> Please don't go. Scroll back down. Let me get a picture of the. I mean, the pictures you know, on the right look pretty popping, yeah. Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I'll. I, that's documented. We'll get. You know. That. You, you know. See what I can do. You know. Okay, let's go back to Kennedy. I've calmed down. 
Alex, um, I'm telling you, man, I can send you, I can, I'll, I'll send you some documents. You believe that? I, I know he was involved. To what avail? It goes back to this evidence-based thing that Seth was talking about. They There's enough evidence. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough evidence to show that he was somehow involved. And the extent of that, you know, you can think what you want, but I think there's enough evidence there to say that it was direct involvement in it. You want to know? Uh, I'll tell you why he was off. Do you want to know why he was off? Well, I have. Let's hear it. Um, the mob got him elected, right? Joe Kennedy paid off the mafia to get to get Jack elected. Okay, that's that's pretty widely known. Um, Joe used the mafia to bootleg and facilitate the infiltration of uh, Canadian whiskey into the United States. Every bottle sold, the Kennedys got a kickback on. That's how they made their money. So Joe utilized the mafia to get Jack elected in 60, in 60, right? Is that right? 50, yeah, 60, whatever. Um, The... Mafia was utilized to provide the guns and ammunition for the Bay of Pigs invasion, which flopped. You know who had a oil tanker in Cuba, around Cuba at that time? Don't say it. George. The Wolfman. Herbert Walker Bush. Objective facts. Moving on. Bay of Pigs went south. Um, Guns, men were lost. Jack appoints Bobby as the uh, what's what's what position did he have? Attorney General. Sorry, it's been late. I've been been cutting grass. Bob appoint Jack appoints Bobby as Attorney General. Young prep school kid immediately goes after organized crime. Okay, to this point, nobody had touched organized crime. Didn't know what organized crime was. It was just the way you. It's just the way you did business. Bobby goes after organized crime. Keeps going after half of the unions. X Y Z to the point that action has to be taken. So instead of offing Bobby, which would have surely brought down retaliation from Jack, the most powerful man in the country, um, they took out the president. That's a good cover theory. Like a good cover story. (laughs) Which in turn made Hoffa feel as if he was invincible. So uh, He was probably told he would be made invincible. He did not go off quietly into the night. Hence the movie The Irishman and the role that the mafia played in offing and disposing of one of the most prolific murders in American history. So I'm going to just really quick caveat here. You know the guy, you know Jack Ruby, right? I do. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but Jack Ruby was investigated or he was interviewed Yes, the day before... This. By a guy named Jolly West. Yep. I, I listened to the Tom O'Neill. Yeah. And he was hallucinating and it was off his rocker and XYZ. Yes. So Jolly West was a CIA agent who was working on mind control. Mm-hmm. Operation Midnight, stuff like that. Okay. So there's another connection to the CIA 
George Herbert Walker Bush. I'm pretty sure. See if he was the head of the CIA then, Nick. I don't think not he was the, the head. The 60s. I think it was. I, I think he was he in the, the 70s. Yeah, he was. Garogi. 87. Yeah, he's 80s. Oh, wait, no. That's I was looking at Webster. Um, I thought he ran the FBI. I didn't know he. Yeah, he was the head of the CIA. See, just see when H.W. Uh, Bush was head of the CIA. 6-2. He was 6-2. The 11th director. The 70s, yeah. But he was a high-ranking agent in the 60s. And so again, I'm sure he used the mafia in some ways. I mean, think he, uh, why, 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 what benefit was it of him to kill the president? So a uh, couple of, I want to say, it's also fitting that in this of months, segment of the grassy know we are literally speaking about. I'll, I'll go. I'll have a, a standalone about the JFK stuff because it, there's a lot of information there. But a couple of months before JFK was assassinated, he's got a speech. It's not very well known, um, but he mentions um, not only that he would tear the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the wind, but also that secret societies play a significant role in the government and in the country and manipulation of people and he was going to expose them and then a few months later he was shot and killed um and there are you know you have to set up and covers that's the cia is deception that's that's their game and they do it well you ever seen anyway, no i haven't this is all really way over my head and completely sent me into a mental oblivion. But because I think you guys know something about this, am I not mistaken in saying that at his funeral, HW's funeral, something strange happened with the family. They were handed envelopes. Only Uh, certain, only certain people got the envelopes. Right. Could that have any connection? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I don't know anything about this. So, okay. So, Seth, you're going to love this. So, we there just is a this place. Long? Yes. Listen, dude, this is going to, this is, this is going to be something significant I've not for heard you. This. Like, so in California, there is a place. It's called Bohemian Grove. And a lot of the world leaders go here. The presidents have gone here. High-ranking businessmen. Um, yeah, here's Hillary got one. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say the Obamas got one. Joe Biden got one. Yep. Jimmy Carter did not get one, and he was looking for his. Right. Jeb was very upset and left. Yeah. He left and- early as they were carrying his dad out. That's right. And George um, also, is absolutely disgusted. Yeah. 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 Um, so another really quick caveat. Uh, two days before Herbert Walker Bush was announced alive, I knew he was dead because, Nick, if you want to search this, uh, James Comey 
tweeted that he is going to, he's like saying goodbye to a very old dog. And again, his CIA call sign was Timberwolf, which is like. Our dog Benji. No, nah, not our dog Benji. He's saying goodbye to an old dog. I think it was up. I think it was top one. No, it's it's not the Benji one. Uh, anyway, yeah, because that was 2018. There, you can you can find this. We can you know whatever. But yeah, so anyway, there is a place in California called the Bohemian Grove, and all of these world leaders and corporate leaders and all these tops, uh, elite tops, they get together, and. They go out in the woods for like a week, two weeks. I don't know the exact time period. But at one point during this, they have a ceremony. And they burn an effigy at the feet of an owl. It's a huge statue. And they call this owl Moloch. You know who Moloch is. Yep. The Canaanite. Um, yep. And they, they burn a mock sacrifice of a child to Moloch. And... They use the symbol of an owl. So, Nick, uh, pull up the WikiLeaks. I, we're going to I reference WikiLeaks a lot. Um, but the one of the Hillary Clinton emails in WikiLeaks, um, somebody talks about breaking the Minerva code. And Minerva is a Roman goddess with the symbol of an owl. And it is um, deception and warfare things of that nature. And he's asking Hillary if he broke them or if this speech broke the Minerva contract and, or the something to that effect. And she says, no, but a hundred percent said these people are burning mock sacrifices to Moloch. Mm. And they so, also reference Moloch in the WikiLeaks emails. They say that, um, by the light, by the midnight light, uh, with the rabbit's foot, I will sacrifice the chicken in the backyard to Moloch tonight. Something to that effect. Wow. So, I'm, I blacked out. What was in the envelope? We don't know. Joe Biden got an envelope. Mm. Could, it, could it be a skull and crossbones thing from Yale? Possibly, but I don't think that... Did Hillary get one or was she reading George's? Hillary got her own. She didn't go to Yale, did See? she? She's reading. She went to no, that's what, I was, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't think. See, she got one. Biden got go one. Princeton? Oh, that was Michelle Obama. And look at Joe Biden down here, how surprised he looks. That's his face, Brian. No, that's that's <laughs> a face of surprise. <laughs> He's thinking about those random children who rub his white leg hair. That. Yeah, the kids. What do you think get, about when I get in the pool? The kids, they rub my leg hair, and the and the hair stands up. <laughs> what do you think about like the elites going out and doing these, um, even if they're mock sacrifices to Moloch? Hillary, Hillary like, what do you think Yale. about like evoking that? And that goes back to that demonic presence that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing good at all could come from yeah. that. Um, but that is as historically valid as, I mean, the Old Testament, because mm. Jerusalem's kings 
they became idolaters and they sacrificed to false gods in the high places and they incurred the judgment of God for it. So um, it would not surprise me at all that now these, you know, leaders in the same kind of authoritative role are still doing the same thing. Yeah. That, yeah. I, man, that's, uh, wow. Yeah, that's um, not to evoke Alex Jones, but Alex Jones in, I want to say the early 2000s, actually was the one who exposed the this, the Bohemian Grove stuff. Um, it's always, you know, it had always been like talked about and stuff like that, but he is the one that really kind of, he infiltrated it and filmed it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have like accounts from people that have, because they hire people to work as like bartenders and they have like a shop there but the it's these elite people that go and they do this whole you know spell basically is what it seems like is it near la or what part of california is it it's in the i believe it's in the redwoods okay like out in like and that's that seems very pagan to me out way out in the forests Mm. uh, away from the cities uh, yeah. Secret society kind of thing. I, I wanted. I'm. I'm in on the skull and crossbones. Yeah, skull and crossbones is interesting. Um, I don't think that Obama went to Yale. He did not. And I think that he got a an envelope. I could be wrong, but Seth, I think you, that he did. There were several people. Me. Yeah. And this well, is one of those things that there goes my nine hours of sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things that kind of has kind of been eating at me because I don't know what they got. I have that's that's one of those things that we're never going to know. But it's it was clearly something, and it yeah. upset it it upset them greatly. Yeah, I mean you could tell. Trump did not get one, did he? No. Hmm. I did not, not to know my that. knowledge. Now I do not have cable, so that may be why I don't know that. This this was not on the news. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. This was yeah. kind of came out later. Okay. Yeah. All the, right. the, uh, one that, the one that got me was the way that Jeb responded. Left. He was left the room. Yeah. Left and like he was flustered. Yep. You anyway. know what? I liked old Jeb. He never had a shot though. Please because clap. He was George, He was George's. You know. Please clap. Did you not have you not seen that video? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick, pull that up. Yeah, that's don't know if we play it, can but, we? Um, I don't know. I think you maybe, can just play it but not, not sound it out, right? Just show me. Oh, you're doing the screen share. Wah, wah, wah. I'll, I'll send it to you. Everybody, if you're still if you're still listening, um, yeah. check that video out. Um, let's see. What else? Oh yeah, Seth. What's the weirdest thing, and I don't really mean weird, but what's the strangest thing that you can talk about in the Bible? <laughs> well, like what's something that when you were you know studying in your in your courses or just you know reading you know now yeah. that you're th- that you have read and you maybe have gone back to and you've just been like, hmm, that's you know that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could answer that question a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. There are things in the Bible that you come across and you think, 
wow, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Like, how's this, for example? In Joshua, we're told that he prays and the sun stands still so that Israel can continue to battle. Now, that's a small little phrase we might read in the Bible, but NASA cannot comprehend how that is possible. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that, that is a, that's an impossibility. But yeah. it happened. So that's one. Um, honestly, when I read about sea. the parting of the Red Sea, I mean, can you yeah. even fathom? How about yeah. how about a guy being tossed into the grave of Elijah, and when he touches his bones, he comes back to life? <sighs> Happens all the yeah. time, Seth. Come on. Yeah. Or how about Elisha when he's uh, in a bad situation? The Lord says, "I've commanded ravens to feed you," and they literally carry him bread. Ravens. <laughs> hey, don't forget Jonah now, boys. Yeah, Jonah in the well. That's a good one too. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the old um, so filled with that. What do you think about stuff like Paul, like stuff that Paul said, where he's talks about um, he knew a man. What was it? He knew a man that had been to uh, which yeah. heaven? It was the, the, third heaven. the third heaven. So we also, and I, I am of the opinion that um, the Bible explains a lot of science. We just don't realize that it's science. And I think science explains a lot of the Bible, especially with like the creation theory and, and the creation story. Like, you know, they go hand, they literally go hand in hand. Like it's, they're explaining the exact same thing. That's right. Um, so we've seen a couple of things come out in science about there being like a universe that goes backwards, Mm -hmm. like a parallel universe that goes backwards. So, do you think that Paul could have been talking about like different dimensions and that we're sort of like what we see as reality is not exactly the way reality is? Yeah, I don't personally think so, um, because I think Scripture speaks of three kinds of heavens. Obviously, the first kind of heaven it speaks of is is what we would refer to as the atmosphere of Earth, the heavens mm-hmm. where the birds fly. Um even Jesus talks about the the birds of the heavens. Well, obviously that that means you know the the clouds and the atmosphere. The second level of the heavens seems to be the stars and the planet and and solar system and and even the universe itself. Because mm-hmm. um, the psalmist talks about uh, the works of God's hands in the heavens, meaning the beauty of of the stars and the sun and the moon and all those things. When Paul speaks of the third heaven, I believe he's referring to himself. And he simply means the heaven where God is, where believers hmm. who, who die, where they will be, uh, the Lord's presence, this kind of heaven. Um, and the reason that I think he's referring to himself is because there in Second Corinthians, when he talks about that, he immediately leaves that story to tell us that he received a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being conceited. Now, what would he be conceited about? Well, I don't know of anybody else who's got to have that kind of trip to the third heaven and come back to tell about it. The Lord had to give mm-hmm. him a thorn to keep him humble. Uh, it's mm-hmm. debatable what that thorn was, but I think I think he was simply talking about being caught up into the presence of God. I really do when he speaks of the third heaven. And when he says, really I know cool. a man, 
he he's he's trying to be as humble as possible. He he doesn't want to mm. come out and say, I went to the third heaven. I went there, yeah. Right. He's trying to be humble. Um so I, I think that's that's what that that is there that's in cool. Corinthians. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um he, uh, yeah, I mean you imagine seeing what Paul saw. I mean, in the very presence of God where if a, if a mortal is caught up into the presence of God, they'd be consumed by his holiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul is somehow metaphysically transported there and, and brought back um, and tells about it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. remarkable. That is cool. Mm-hmm. What um, do you think about the, the passage in Ezekiel with the chariot? Refresh me. What? Give me a little bit more context. Um, let's see. Ezekiel. He saw. It was when the angel visited him, and he had uh, the angel had. I believe it was four faces that were changed. That were always changing between. Yeah. Ezekiel twenty four, something like that. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that is a really, really tough passage. I think Ezekiel, yeah. in fact, is probably the hardest book to interpret in all of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um I can't really I can maybe say what I would think would be an interpretation, but at the end of the day, I don't think we I don't. honestly can be dogmatic about it. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, this kind of language is found in Isaiah's prophecy as well, um, when when he sees a vision of God in the temple. Um, this kind of same similar language of the, the cherubim and these kind of things are described. So when Ezekiel is talking about this, obviously uh, it's referring not to these creatures, but more importantly to the creatures whom, whom this, the God whom they surround, basically. And there it is. God's glory exits the temple. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's real. It's just hard to say what that was about. I really, I really don't know. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, see, that's the cool thing. There's stuff, there's always stuff in the Bible that we don't know, and we it's always something more to study. Yeah. I had a Bible college professor who said, um, "Major on the majors and minor on the minors," and that's mm-hmm. kind of been a guiding principle for my teaching ministry because there are certainly times when we want to delve into this kind of stuff, but most of the people that I I'm blessed to minister to, they, they just need to tell, they need me to tell them what the Bible means and then just apply it to their life in a simple way yeah. and just major on the main things. But, um, this kind of stuff is fascinating to think about. Yeah. See, I like all the weird stuff. I just like weird <laughs> stuff in general. I do too. And making me mad about the bushes is what he really takes pride in. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, dude. Poor boy. Hey, it is. Let's let's wind down, but I want to hit Twitter first. A very special listener, Seth, gave you your own shout out and personal message oh, after wow. deducting from the context clues who we may be bringing on. Mm. So if if we Nick can hit us on the on the Twitter. On the Twitter.com. Is it Scotty Pippen? You know what? We actually told him to hold off. He's writing you a card. Oh. Um, here we go. Bradley Hampton. Old granddad himself. Oh. The man. What a man. Ask Seth what his pointers are on growing such a beautiful stash. 
mm-hmm. and tell him that I love him. The most disturbing piece of information on the screen to me right now is that Brad Hampton has resorted to an Android. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't work for me, green circles. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't do, I can't, that's just a pain That is point. disturbing. That's yeah. Disturbing. Man. But, yeah, there you go, Seth. Any pointers well, on the stash? Yeah. Well, first of all, Brad, I love you. And I can't wait to throw down some Peking with you. The Pekings, the Pekings. We'll go to the Pekings, but when it comes to the stash, when we had our second child, I felt that it was necessary for me to purchase a minivan, which I did from Man Toyota, and I was really satisfied. Once I purchased the minivan, I deduced that my next logical step would be to buy a pair of Birkenstocks. Which I did in mm. on vacation this past year. The third logical step. Air Jerusalem's. Air Jerusalem. Oh. They were sketchers. They were sketchers to make it even better. Now to finish off this triple crown of dadhood, I decided to grow a mustache. Not a not a nice one. In between a pedophile <laughs> and a NASCAR driver. And so, until my children are raised and out of my home and on their own, I most likely will have a mustache. (laughs) And I will carry this torch. (laughs) Even though I did trim it on the day of your wedding, which I hope tells you how much I think of you and Megan. Me, yes. Yeah, I, I, uh, to be honest, Seth, I blacked out during the whole experience. They told me you were there, but I, for the life of me, can't remember it. Hey, it's all of right. I'm joking. Of course I'm joking. We've got their certificate. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Oh, gosh. But, uh, that you know, that's my pointers. There's really, uh, I don't think anything else I can say. I will tell you guys this, the though. Territory. There's a three-piece suit to dadhood. Yep. Yep. The minivan, the Birkenstocks, and the mustache. I can't do number two. I don't have outside toes, dude. Yeah, You're just walking around people. showing people your toes? Well, I mean, you can wear socks. That is accept- acceptable when you have at least two children. Um, <laughs> so, oh my goodness! That's kind of the the rationale. Uh, Granddad, I hope that's everything you could have ever asked for, right there, wrapped up in a little uh, bundle, just for Boys, you. Yep. I'm I'm tired. My hair's longer than it's ever been. I got I, a haircut today, actually. Where? Some speakeasy. That's speakeasy. That's exactly where I got my haircut. I can't. You can't get in anywhere for like three weeks. You have to. Um, I don't want to say any. So, yeah, you got to knock on the the correct brick in the wall. Yeah, I made an appointment like three weeks ago. So, I had, thank you, Jim. Thanksgiving. What do you think? I had. Yeah, I got it uh, like on Monday. I got it in. I'm going to let it go and do a party in the back. Just kind of let it hang out. Hmm. You know? Cause, I think you should just do a mohawk. Yeah. I, I, Brian, my hair doesn't... Seth can attribute. My, mine goes... At, like, it doesn't just hang out. It just... I feel you. Sticker, you and me both. It would stop a 22 caliber bullet. 
I, I have yes. no doubt. It feels like a, what I will assume a goat. <laughs> feels like once it's bathed in the creek. <laughs> but, all right, Seth, hit us with some parting thoughts. You know, now I'm going to be thinking about goats bathing in a creek. If that's the only thing you take from this, consider it a blessed Thursday. Hey, no, I I have enjoyed it thoroughly, and I'm glad you guys are doing this. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Please know that you have a supporter of Holler Pod in Johnson County, Kentucky. Pew, 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 pew. Well, that's hey, all we can ask for, baby. We love you. You're our favorite preacher that t- uh, that mentors and pastors to our mortal enemies growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know when I grew my mustache out, I knew that you were my direct competition. So I just want to let you know I wake up every day and think about you. That's comforting. And, and your mustache. <laughs> yeah, and, well, uh, I you go, you had me beat. I mean, it wasn't even a competition. It was it, unreal. Uh, Yours was like on Miracle Grow, and mine, mine was taking Carnation Good Start. Well, it's a part of being dark hair. It's kind of not really fun, but you know, when you got arm hair in sixth grade, everybody's like, "What's wrong with you?" It's like, eh, you know, whatever. Hey, I will, I will tell you guys this: if you go back and find a picture of Chris Carter at 26 years old and hold it up to me, we are it's, the same person. It's you. <laughs> yeah. So you think about how sexy my dad is now, boys. My future's looking bright. No, nothing but up from here, baby. Emily outpunted her coverage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Brian, Nick, parting thoughts. Let's wrap this up. I may get a game of Warzone in. Who knows? Mm. I got a strict 1130 bedtime, boys. Well, you got to do what you got to do. What do you think? Give me something. Uh, Seth, thanks for coming on, man. Um, we'll have you on again. I Great catching up. Great hearing from you. Great hearing your interpretations of everything. Um, you know, thanks. Hey, it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. We lo- love we you. Love you. We're sorry yeah, we, we kept you up. Yes, we, we're sorry we kept you up till eleven on a school night, but um, this is great. I'm out of dopper duty. If we could keep this going for like two more hours, right, we'll just we'll book it in. <laughs> hey, I want to leave us all with a with some wise words from my grandfather. Mm. think about this ponder on this we'll be back next week you can shear a sheep year round <laughs>